Brands. Retail. Content and design. Brand activation. Data. And technology. Experiential marketing. The Brandemonium Podcast. Hi, this is Dan from Gwyn's Sound here at Brandemonium in Cincinnati, Ohio. And the next guest on our podcast is Stephanie Bone, the CMO from VidMob. Stephanie, welcome to the program. Thank it's good, you so it's much. It's good to have it's you. A pleasure to be have here. Have you been to Cincinnati before? I've never been to Cincinnati really? before. Okay. Your impressions so far? Um, the Westin is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been outside these walls yet. Yep. I got in late last night and okay. reported for duty to make my, my keynote a little earlier. So I look gotcha. forward to going outside and exploring a bit. Fantastic. Um, I've gotten the lay of the land a bit. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm now in the know. I learned about um, OTR. Yeah. So if you're in the know in Cincinnati, you know about OTR. Yeah. Do you know over what the that? Rhine. Oh yeah, it was kind right? of good. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Over the river, and so. Sure. I, I'm, I'm, Through the woods. I'm, I might adventure OTR later. You should. There's <laughs> lots of uh, awesome cuisine and uh, other things to do. So. That's sure. exciting. And it's close. You can walk there. So, wow, your, your resume and your bio, super, super impressive. You Thank have some you. amazing roles with some amazing companies. But I want to start out by asking you, what, can you tell us something about you that we didn't see in your professional bio? Um, something about myself personally, which is um, pretty funny being that I preceded the CMO of Arby's, is that I am a vegan. Hmm. And he okay. made a 30-minute presentation about meats. Uh. <laughs> But I clapped and I cheered vociferously yeah. for him. Jim afterwards. Taylor. Jim Taylor. Yeah, it was a great presentation. He's a friend. Yeah. Um, we actually do friend. some of their work, do some you? of their creative work. Yeah, okay. so it was really fun to see uh, his presentation and, and see yeah. some of the, the materials that we've had to work with. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, the other, the other piece of me personally, um, I went to the University of Michigan, so that was a little scary to admit on this stage. Go I blue. understand... <laughs> What I walked into, I come in peace. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, we, we won't go into my affinity for Notre Dame right now. No, we, should, we no. shouldn't at all. We Although this is all. my year on that, on that one. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm originally from New York. I moved to L.A. I've been there about 16 years, but mm-hmm. I made a, a four-year pit stop in, in Michigan. So I, I'm a big fan of the Midwest, so it's fun to be back. Awesome. It's good to have you. So on your website, you describe VidMob as a platform where brands can create social video ads with expert teams using your analytics to determine what worked and why. Mm. It feels like, is there a cross between art and science there? Yes. Yeah. The, Talk about that. The magic of what, what we do and, and, the, and the story that we tell is that creativity can never be replaced, but it can be enhanced. We built a business with the, with the strong belief that humans are uniquely qualified to tell stories. We don't believe that robots should be telling stories, never. But the stories that we tell can be a lot more effective if they have insights behind them. And it's really hard to do. Right now, when, when marketers run ads on social media, the only thing that you get to know is did ad A perform better than ad B. But you have no idea why, right? You don't know if that was because you didn't spend as much on ad A or that you ran it at a different time of day or day of the week or um, that it was a, it was, um, you know, against a certain target demo. But the, the big part of the story is what were you saying in ad A? Mm-hmm. What did ad A make you feel and what did ad B make you feel? 
but Facebook right now and, and, and none of the social platforms are able to give you the creative insight. And so what we did is we built a platform that allows you to get insight as to how every creative decision you make impacts how an asset performs. And the way that we do that is we apply machine learning to a video, which really is a series of data. Hmm. Data being people in an ad or an object in an ad or the presence of a logo or a color or music choice or pacing. And machine learning allows us to really quickly take an inventory of all of those creative details. Mm -hmm. And then we cross-reference those with how the asset performed. Mm -hmm. And with extreme precision, we can tell you, for instance, if the fact that you had a cat in the opening shot made your ad drove a higher click-through rate yeah. than the ad that had the dog. Mm -hmm. Or if the fact that you moved your logo from the upper left-hand corner to the lower right-hand corner drove a lift in conversion. Mm -hmm. Or if the fact that you put red lipstick on your model as opposed to fuchsia, your ad drove a higher return on ad spend. And so all of those different um, decisions now have a, a measurable effect on sure. how an asset does. Mm -hmm. And with those assets, our network of, of human video creators mm -hmm. can act on that immediately and then rotate in better assets that are insight-driven into a live campaign. Okay. So it's this continual improvement exactly. sort of thing where you're constantly looking at data and making choices based upon that data that are going to improve this, the stickiness or the level of engagement with, exactly. the, with the consumer. That's really cool. Um, you spent some time at Netflix mm -hmm. as well and, and also American Express. Mm -hmm. How did that experience or how did those experiences kind of prepare you for what you're doing today at Bidmont? Um I think they all did. I think it's, um, you know, every, every experience you have forms the basis of how you see the world and how you think. My American Express experience, straight out of Michigan, was, it was, it was, it was foundational for me. I got my, what I used to call my classical marketing training at American Express, and it's such an exceptional place. Um, I learned all about brand management and brand strategy, and then also the role that I had was, was in the um, retail establishment services group. So I learned all about retail and, and, and merchants. Anyone who accepts American Express is considered a merchant. And so how do, how do businesses think and how do financial instruments play a part in that? And mm -hmm. <laughs> this dates me. Um, but I was in the group that invented this stored value card, which is a fancy way of saying a gift card. Yeah. So as a recent college grad, I, I was meeting with, with, with marketing executives at, at, at Best Buy and, um, and Chanel and the Sharper Image and, and um, Costco and Walmart to talk them out of having paper gift certificates. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and instead have these plastic things that you could display openly because they had no value until they were authenticated at the register yeah. and and how much value you could actually have because there's always a couple of dollars that don't get spent yeah. and that was the pitch i was making that, that's how long ago yeah well it was um, i don't believe it <laughs> so so that was that was something that we we brought to life and it was really fun so yeah. i got to sort of do a lot of product marketing and um development yeah and then um I went to business school after American Express, mm -hmm. um, so I got my MBA, and I, I always wanted to be in entertainment, yeah. so I moved out to L.A. Yeah. And, and um, Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, I yeah. joined Warner Brothers. I was there for 13 years, and then from Warner Brothers, the reason I went to Netflix was I, I always had this 
itch that I never scratched to be at a startup. Mm -hmm. And I missed the wave in the late 90s at the turn of the century. Yeah. All of my friends were working at these awesome startups in New York and they would come back to, you know, we'd be hanging out after hours at happy hour and they'd be like, oh, my company has like giant vats of candy and it's all red and it's free. Or like we can play <laughs> foosball, right. you know, in the middle of the hallway. And I'm yeah. like, wow, I... I love American Express, but I yeah. sit in a cube and yeah. <laughs> we don't have foosball. They let us eat lunch at our desk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I get, it's like a sandwich. And <laughs> so I, I always wanted to see what that was like, but I never frankly had the courage to do it. And then, and then the next wave happened. And when I graduated from business school, I really wanted to be in film. So I went to work in film and that itch had never been scratched. So after Warner Brothers, I, I thought to myself, um, there's all these opportunities at Netflix. Oh, that's a startup. Turns out that is not a startup. It is mm. the most exceptional company in the world, but they are a well-oiled machine. And so their growth trajectory is incredible. Whether I was there on a given day or not, their stock price was going up. So as much as I loved it, I still didn't scratch that itch. And so that's why I decided to go to VidMob, where I could be a charter member of the company yeah. and help figure out all those challenging questions of, of how do you create products and, and market them and, and how do you build a company. That's fantastic. How does a conference like Brandemonium help you with that, your process? And what do you, what do you, what are you taking out of this? I know that you were a keynote speaker, so they probably asked you, we asked you to be here. But mm. um, do you enjoy these types of conferences and speaking? What, what do they do for you? They're really fun. I, um, I think these conferences are really good for me. When I'm not a speaker, I actually go to conferences and I just sit in sessions and I listen because I think it's a really good way to just keep your finger on the pulse of what are the questions that, that we as marketers are asking and, and, and I want to level set myself on where people are getting tripped up and what people are excited about. And I think going to conferences is a really, really great way to do that. Um, as a speaker, I, I kind of took a risk because to start my presentation, I offered an explanation of Instagram stories. And the reason I say it was a risk is I could have been in a room where everyone felt like, duh, yeah, I know what an Instagram story is. But when I, I, I said that to the room, I said, for those of you who are a little fuzzy on, on Instagram stories, I'll, I'll offer up an explanation. And a lot of people perked up. Hmm. And it, it, it affirmed for me that it's, it's a question people are kind of embarrassed to ask about. Like, we should all kind of know what they are. Right. but. Yeah. They don't, you know, it, it just yeah. sort of is a format that came out of nowhere, right? And all of a sudden it's all the rage and everyone's using stories, but why and what do they do and how do you use them? And, yeah. and as a brand, what are, what are the implications? So I literally explained, I said, it's a nine by 16, it's a full frame video experience. Here are the creative tools and here's why it makes people feel like they're content creators. Mm -hmm. And and someone came up to me afterwards and um, she said, I. I didn't really understand and I didn't want to ask and thank you for that. And, yeah. and now I kind of understand why as a marketer, we can't produce these over polished ads and throw them into Instagram stories because they, they stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What's the biggest marketing challenge you and kind of those in your, your category face today? The biggest marketing challenge is that we find ourselves in this new communication epic where the way human beings relate to one another and communicate is no longer through the written word or static image, it's through video. And video is really confounding to a lot of marketers. Yeah. It's, it, it seems like it should be long, uh, hard to produce, expensive to produce, and, and take a long time to produce. And so, so marketers experience what we call creative friction. Like, I, I don't know what to make, 
our agency wants to charge us $10,000 every time we make a video. I need, we need to get it perfect. This is how the broadcast world works, right? You see, you research, you research, you figure, you, you think you have all the consumer insights and then you double down and spend millions of dollars on broadcast spots and run them for a month. Yeah. And in social, you need a really large array of assets that each tell one, say one thing mm -hmm. and are each visually interesting because it's a very visual medium. Yeah. And the average view time is about three seconds. Mm -hmm. So you're in a totally different world. So yeah. brands, I think more than anything else, face the challenge of how do you keep pace with the production of video in a way that would replace the other communication channel methods that they're really familiar with. It sure. used to be that you had a social person in the back office and they would just tweet every, you know, every yeah. couple hours or yeah. you would have a social calendar and then you would post, here are the 10 images we're gonna post this week. Well, mm -hmm. it just doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I talked about in my keynote today is if you want to play in the Instagram story space or Snapchat story space, which is where young particularly Gen Z, where yeah. young consumers are, and you overproduce an ad in the same mindset that you would produce an ad for broadcast, mm -hmm. you'll either be ignored or way worse, you'll be deemed as totally out of touch. Yeah. You, if you're going to make an Instagram story, it has to look like an Instagram story and it has yeah. to be colored on and it has to have stickers and mm -hmm. it has to have a boomerang effect or you know any of those sort of creative effects that make it seem natural. Mm -hmm. You have to speak the language that your consumers are speaking and on social they're speaking in video. Yeah, that's outstanding. So we're, we're in the music business, right? So we're, we're Gwyn Sound and, and we uh, specialize in artist recording and podcast and helping brands figure out what they should sound like. Mm -hmm. How does the integration of music play with your platform and, and what's the importance of, of music? Is mm -hmm. it Does it follow the same trajectory as the other components where we might test various types of music in support of that mm -hmm. and see how it does? Is that kind so of how that works? It's really interesting. Um, music plays a very, very important role um, because in a world where every second counts, and you've got two or three seconds to make your point, mm -hmm. the choices that you make, whether it's an image, a person, a text, a logo, are critical. And I would say about half of the people who see a mobile ad, a social ad, are listening to it. Most of the, the other half are just watching it because they're mm -hmm. on the go. Yeah. But when they're listening to it, those, those musical elements are going to make, or are part of making or breaking if an ad's going to perform. Yeah. And at VidMob, when we're making our brand spots, we get really, really granular. Like, what is the, are we looking for something percussive? Are we looking for something more melodic? Are we looking for something, like, and what are those music beats and, and, and elements going to make people feel? Because at the end of the day, no one remembers what an ad is trying to tell you. They just remember how they felt when they encountered it. And music is, is more than probably anything, that thing that puts you over the edge. Um, but on, on the, the flip side, when, when marketers are thinking about music, they have to develop with um, the mindset of an ad performing well with no audio but being yeah. ready to delight if there is audio on, because you mm. don't know. Yeah. It's a 50-50. Yeah. So when I was at Netflix, we would look at our ads that were in development on our mobile devices with no audio. And if the ad didn't make sense with no audio, then we went back to the drawing board. Mm. So marketers who look at ads in development on the big screen in their conference rooms are mm. not looking at ads the way consumers will experience them. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Well, we, we've run out of time because this, and it's gone by fast because this has really been fantastic. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Very interesting to me personally, and I'm sure it will be for our listeners as well. So I want to thank you for your time, uh, for coming all the way to Cincinnati from, from L.A. It's been great. My son's out there. His name's Taylor Alexander. He's a music artist. Say hi to him. Go I check will. him out. Um, I'll look him up. Thank you. And again, thanks for being on the show, Stephanie. Appreciate thanks. it. Thank Take you. Care.